Alrighty. Welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I'm Cameron Tuftabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It's Monday. It's about to be 6 p.m. on the East Coast, which will become relevant when we talk about Derek White in just a moment. But for today, we have our last off-season pod, preseason pod, whatever you want to call it. The Celtics tip off Wednesday. They have a home opener on Friday. We're finally talking about some real NBA basketball with respect to the preseason, with respect to FIBA, not even with respect to Summer League. So today's agenda looks like this. We're going to talk about some of the roster moves that the Celtics have made ahead of the season opener. And then we're going to talk about some of the roster moves they might still make in the near or sort of near future. And then we're also just going to talk about our last kind of thoughts for the season before we have actual basketball to analyze. Before we do all of that, I'm going to ask Alex Goldberg how his show was back in Boston. Alex plays bass for the band Divine Sweater, the music you heard at the top of this program. They had a homecoming show in Boston, and Alex was wearing the hell out of a white turtleneck. Alex, that was a show. It was great. Uh, we were opening for Brooklyn-based supergroup Melt. Um, been great. a joy to work with them, and it was so much fun to play back in the hometown, back in the hub of Boston at Royale. Um, I am sure that we will be back sooner rather than later. And to anybody who is looking to follow the rest of us and might not be in Boston, that is part of a longer tour that we are kicking off not next week, but the week after. We'll be all over the Midwest. If you are a Celtics Lab listener in the Midwest, check it out at blindsweater.com. Tickets available now. Great. Dr. Quinn, you're on vacation. How's that going? Well, as you can see, my lighting is worse and my face is more red. Uh, I'm in a hotel room in Tepoztlan, Morelos, uh, which is just a skip outside of Mexico City. I highly recommend it if you are ever in the area and want to get away from the city vibe. It's got a nice little hippie, uh, bohemian vibe. Definitely a cool place to hang out. But we aren't here to talk about my vacation, so let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some basketball. All right, cool. So let's do the news because there's some news since we last talked. The Celtics cut Wenyan Gabriel. They cut DJ Stewart. They cut Jay Scrub. Uh, that one kind of stings, but that's business. The roster is at 14 regular contracts. They also signed Nathan Knight to a two-way deal. We can get into that in a moment. But right now, the roster is at 14 spots. Um, I guess this is a two-part question. First of all, who was that an opportunity for? Ding, ding, ding. Justin, your boy. But second... What, if anything, are they going to do with this open roster spot? So, Dr. Quinn, talk to us about what uh, opportunities exist for the deep or not-so-deep bench for the Boston Celtics. Well, they have a variety of options that they could do. They could carry that open roster spot into the season. Say, Blake Griffin decides he does want to come back and was mostly deciding whether or not he wanted to retire because he did not want to go through a training camp. That could happen. Uh, no rumblings to that. Don't like assume that this is reporting to that effect. It's just a possibility. Besides that, they could pick up any of the many, many players you have probably seen Woj and Shams tweeting about getting cut, moving here, moving there, uh, getting waivers, etc. Because that's just what happens at this time of the league calendar. A lot of teams are finalizing their rosters and making some cuts. And just because a player isn't going to work for one team doesn't necessarily mean he wouldn't work for another team. Uh, that is why a certain Nemius Keta uh, is on the Boston Celtics two-way roster. 
Uh, we just got some news that he most likely will not be converted to a full roster spot anytime soon, which makes sense given how much that would cost uh, the Celtics to do uh, in terms of tax. Uh, but he will have up to 50 games to play for the Celtics during the regular season. And then if they like what they see, they can convert him to a regular roster spot so he's playoff eligible. Yeah, I, I think that bit of analysis is like the, the least sexy, but super important that the back end roster moves are as much about who Boston could bring in as much as it is what is their appetite for adding to their tax bill for the 14th guy on the team. So there might be, you know, the Blake Griffins of the world or, well, Blake Griffin's a veteran contract that's a little different, but um, for younger guys that they are maybe flirting with signing, is the juice worth the squeeze? What kind of cost does it incur? And the reason I say a veteran contract is the league floats some of that. Although I think that still shows up in a tax bill, right? Uh, I don't recall if what the league foots is considered for the tax bill, but they, they at least don't have to pay for a large chunk, roughly half of what Blake Griffin, for example, his contract would cost. So any savings is going to help this team at this point. Cool. For the YouTube crowd, I'm checking my phone to see if Derek White was extended or not. 604 on the East Coast. Sometimes it takes a few minutes for news to trickle through the league office and into the the news jockeys. Um, Alex, where are you at with this contract? Again, let's stick with the kind of the, the bench or the deep bench. Is there anyone now that you've kind of seen how training camp and preseason is shaken out that you think they have a real opportunity or they're going to kick extra butt? Like, where are you at with the deep bench? Yeah, so for the deep bench, I think, you know, some of the guys that have really stood out in preseason to me um, – I don't know if we would consider him deep bench at this point, but I do think Svi Mikhailik is going to get some run with this team. Um, he's an actually good movement shooter. Um, again, defensive chops are not quite there, but I do think he's going to be out there specifically for spacing the floor on lineups that are a little more defense heavy and a little less shooting heavy. Um, I think Peta has kind of been the standout deep bench guy in preseason. Um, Peyton Pritchard has such a, a much bigger role on this team in my mind and so to me he's not really a deep bench guy per se there's one other guy that has stood out in preseason specifically and that's lamar stevens um who i think is making a real play as a kind of deep bench wing i i will be interested to see frankly um i i would imagine that o'shea Brissett will get more minutes than lamar stevens to start off the season but I don't think the gap between them is actually all that large. And if anything, I'm kind of intrigued by Stevens' upside. So I think there's a world in which Lamar Stevens could go from deep bench to potentially not so deep bench, um, depending on whether he's able to maintain his stellar play. Now, the thing with Lamar Stevens is he has to be able to shoot and he has to be able to shoot consistently because otherwise defenses are going to leave him wide open as they very much did last year when he was at one point starting for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I think Lamar Stevens in a starting role is probably, if, if we're there, then something very bad has happened. Hmm. Um, but regardless, benches are going, most teams are going to be sagging off him. So he's going to have to find ways to create offense for himself uh, or be the beneficiary of some good ball movement. But if he can stay on the floor offensively, I think his defensive chops are pretty serious. He's a really athletic and physical wing. Um, and I think that he could be a pretty fun player for this team. As far as the other guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little kind of so-so on Delano Banton. Uh, I'm pretty so-so on uh, a kind of a number of other players that uh, I think had brief moments in the preseason, but 
never really jumped out to me. I have no idea what this Nathan Knight guy is going to bring to the table, but uh, it will be fun to see what he does in Maine. The guy that is kind of the biggest mystery to me is Jordan Walsh. Um, because while Jordan Walsh, I don't think had a particularly great preseason, um, I do think there's a lot of hype around him. And in particular, he seems to be getting some pretty good reviews in training camp. My gut is that he will make the opening day roster if nobody else has claimed that last spot. But um, there's definitely a world in which the Celtics try and get one more piece with a little bit more experience um, and leave Jordan Walsh to work on his game in Maine a little bit. Yeah, speaking of which, Maine is looking pretty good. I, I, uh, it's maybe not that surprising, but also maybe something to keep an eye on that we haven't really talked about J.D. Davison at all this preseason. Um, he was expected to be a featured player in Maine, but, you know, the training camp is in preseason when young players can, uh, you know, get some shine and get some spotlight. And I, I feel like we haven't really noticed J.D. Davison that much. I want to push back on that he looks way more competent as a floor general than he did in summer league uh he's had more time to work on his game since summer league and i think it's really good actually that we did see a little bit of him it was mostly in garbage time to be fair uh but the fact that he can run a competent offense now uh without looking so out of control as he did previously i think bodes well for the future i don't know if he's ever going to play for the boston celtics as a regular player he may end up ending his starting his career in the NBA for another team, but at least for now as a potential trade asset, uh, or, you know, maybe even if he's lucky and the Celtics are interested, a low cost, uh, third, uh, point guard. I think there's, there's a chance there. I was a lot more iffy based on what I saw in summer league. Okay. Let's pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel, where you can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into the action. There's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I think anyone who has been watching the NFL season knows that it has been an exciting one. Um, Bobby, you dialed into NFL 30 seconds on the season. I tough break for Aaron Rodgers and that still hangs over at the start of this whole campaign but the Cowboys look incredible and I'm not enamored by the lack of weapons the Chiefs have so I think the Super Bowl is up for grabs yeah people were trying to tell me the Lions were going to be good this season uh I don't think the Lions are very good I don't know anything about football they're never good (laughs) yeah they might be back Justin Mm, I don't know about that one (laughs) anyways uh, there's a lot of action to get in on, so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only and a $10 first deposit is required. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.Fanduel. Sportsbook.Fanduel.com. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I guess more that it's what you just identified as the most likely outcome still. Like he hasn't played his way onto the big boy roster yet. Um, And so Maine is going to feature players like newly signed Nathan Knight, Gita, probably Jordan Walsh and J.D. Davidson. We'll play most of their minutes there. Jordan Walsh, though, Alex, to your point, like it's still a little unclear. I think he's quite raw, but 
first of all, he's a really charming kid. I, one of the things that's interesting is I think I'm, I agree with your Lamar Stevens take that uh, when push comes to shove, maybe he makes more sense than Brissett in terms of playing meaningful minutes. But because Brissett has this YouTube podcast career, he's all over Celtic social. So I feel like he's an over-featured player just in the zeitgeist, whether or not he's actually going to see those minutes, which happens. But for a guy who has had limited fame as an NBA player, it's an interesting dynamic. But he's- to be clear, just I, I still believe that ultimately Brissett is probably a better and more productive player right now. I just think there's a world in which Lamar Stevens could be passing him potentially sure. soon. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I but I actually don't even think of that's hot of that hot of a take. Okay, uh, some more news, and then we'll look ahead to the future at long last. Really, the news is fan service, but uh, it might be more meaningful behind the scenes. Raj Rajan Rondo is a player you can add to the list of Celtics alum who've been not just hanging out at practice, but participating in practice to some extent. He was doing a passing drills. It looked like it, this is now his second or third day publicly hanging out in the Celtics orbit. Um, pretty exciting. Drew Holiday had big praise for Rondo. They played together back in the day in New Orleans. Dr. Quinn, for those who don't know, can you kind of like summarize this revolving door of Celtics alum that we've seen this preseason? And what do you think about it? I think that, well, first of all, I want to give credit to our uh, podcast network, uh, Hefe, uh, Nick Gelso, who has been agitating for exactly this to happen for several seasons now. So he's got to be pretty happy with seeing this unfold. And what I think of it personally is that it was a long untapped resource that the Celtics have not done enough with until now. And what better time, honestly, than when they are really cashing in all the chips and trying to win a title that they draw on those resources that I, I still maintain that they should have been drawing on in the past. But if you're going to do it, now's the time. Uh, Missoula put out an email for those of you who didn't hear this. And a lot of people all the way back, uh, people like uh, Sam Jones, all the way up to the present where we see people like Rondo uh, getting called by Paul Pierce at three in the morning, as he was telling uh, the, the audience in attendance uh, to get him on board to do it. And here he is. So, I mean, you can't be hurt by adding people with brilliant NBA careers and collective decades of NBA experience trying to help these guys learn what it takes to win a title. So I'm all for it. Yeah, Alex, any, uh, anything you'd add to the analysis or just like non sequiturs about seeing all these familiar faces? I mean, it's cool. It's just fun as a Celtics fan. I, I'm enjoying it. I, it was interesting to me that Rondo and uh, Drew Holiday, I think, seemed to strike up a little bit of a conversation. And also that um, Drew Holiday did uh, mention that he, or I guess Isaiah Thomas mentioned that he interacted with Drew Holiday on Twitter, uh, that Drew reached out to him asking him to, um, uh, if, he, if he had his permission to use the number four, uh, which he will be rocking this year in Boston. So that was kind of sweet. And who knows, maybe we'll see IT running around Celtics practice facility one of these days. Although I imagine he'll be looking probably for a contract rather than a coaching gig. Well, to that end, Rondo said, by the way, I'm not retired. And, <laughs> and whatever whatever that's worth, Rondo's only 37, so he's closer in age to Drew Holiday than Drew Holiday is to Tatum or Brown. So that also, I, I imagine there's like some weird dynamic if you're Holiday or Al Horford hmm. being in your mid to late 30s and being like the same age as the coach and much older than the featured players, which I know is can be pedantic, but if you 
you know, are not used to being the oldest voice in the room and suddenly you look around and you're the oldest voice in the room, that, that could be different. Dr. Quinn, you take umbrage with that? No, I just want to issue a self-correction. I meant Tom Sanders, not Sam Jones. I thought it was Saf Sanders. Tom, that is Tom Sanders. Oh, I've never called Tom before. Yeah. Um, I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> All right. And then lastly, I'm calling it 614. I'm sure Himmelsbeck or, or someone will confirm in a moment, but there's been no Woj or Shams report of a Derek White extension, which is totally fine. Derek White has two years left on his deal. They can revisit an extension over the summer. It wasn't like everyone thought this was imminent and this is suddenly breaking news. So it doesn't seem like an extension has happened at 614 East Coast. By the time people are listening to this, that could be wrong, but it also probably is not a big deal. But Just out I, of curiosity, does anybody know the deadline for a Drew Holiday extension? Not till April. You can't sign it till April, so it's going to be a while. I, I would not be surprised, actually, if the Drew Holiday extension is something that Boston looks to get locked up for the Derek White extension in some respects. And I think they ultimately do want to extend both of them and Jason Tatum, which will, of course, make an incredibly expensive basketball team. But I, I would not be super surprised if they go with Drew's extension before Derek's and then try to address Derek White this offseason. I mean, we could put a pin in this, but there's a world where if things go sideways or if things go well, they say, hey, Al Horford, hey, Drew Holiday, thank you for your service. And we're going to stay on the young side. And that opens up $40 million, or at least yeah. it's $40 million they don't have to spend. But we can revisit that. We have time. So let's pause the action. Let's hop into the Celtics lab. So we'll put on our safety goggles. Actually, today, this is a one-off at a staff meeting. I work at a high school. They We had... um. A department meeting in a lab and there was a safety poster I, i'm showing my phone of a <laughs> you can't see it oh there it is mm. there we go nice <laughs> loved that uh shout out to ricky bobby it was a picture of a lab in a lab okay so safety goggles on like you just saw lab coats on let's do it and really it's just p's and q's it's not really anything specific but we're gonna look ahead at the future of this roster and then also the next few weeks of celtics basketball so we're in the lab, but we're really talking about what we were talking about just before. Alex, between now and February, what needs to happen to the Celtics roster, if at all? Um, I think the Celtics most pressingly need to figure out who their third big man is, uh, whether it's Nemeas Keita, uh, whether it is a guy that they bring in via a trade, uh, whether it is, in fact, Luke Cornett, which I have a little bit of my doubts about. Um, but I think that's that's one thing they need to do. And then I think I, I would hazard that given the, how the last two preseason games have gone, at least for the time being, they appear to have figured out what their starting lineup is going to be. I would expect uh, in the garden, Madison Square Garden uh, on Wednesday night that I am going to, in the rafters, see Drew Holiday, Derek White, Kristaps Porzingis, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum in the starting lineup. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's my expectation. So I think Al Horford will be coming off the bench. Um, I think thus that will address their second big. And for what it's worth, Al Horford has looked great in preseason. And I think in a reduced role, he is going to be a really impactful player for them. Um, but I think that third big spot, particularly on nights when Al is probably going to need to rest or uh, given that Porzingis is liable to probably miss some games here and there, that third big spot is fairly important. And to me, 
that's pretty obviously where they need to look. I think Keda has shown something in preseason enough that he deserves to make the roster, but um, I still need to see a little more from him to see if he is really that guy in terms of like a consistent rotation big. Um, I'm just hopping in to say, uh, I got a Twitter notification that suggests maybe the deadline's midnight, not 6 p.m. So maybe a Derek White extension does happen by the time this podcast drops, but the, the analysis remains the same. Um, Alex, I agree with you fully on where we're at with the starting lineup. We're kind of where we're at with the roster. Dr. Quinn, do you have a different opinion on the, the starters, if that matters? And also, what's your opinion on what might need to happen to this roster? Well, I do think that the third big situation is, honestly, if anything, it's being underplayed how important it is. Uh, you know, everything looks great right now and everyone is healthy, but we don't need to talk about what could happen with this roster because the entire rest of the NBA is doing it for us anyway. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good business for Boston to do the due diligence. And as much as I am absolutely smitten with what I see from Nemius, it is better business to make sure that before you give that roster, that guaranteed roster spot to someone, uh, that you you do your due diligence and you get you see what you have in him. Uh, I don't think they're going to go a full 50 games before they make a decision about Nemius. I think probably 20, 30-ish games will be enough for them. It also will get more money in his pocket without necessarily breaking their bank sooner, which is always a good thing if you want to motivate someone, usually. So I think that the starting lineup situation is just what we've been basically been talking about this the last couple of pods, which is there's going to be plenty of games where someone is sitting, someone is hurt, someone is taking a night off or they face, they face a big front line. And they kind of do need to double bit like to go double bigs. So I think it's going to be not quite matchup dependent per se, but more like circumstance dependent with an occasional matchup dependency. So I don't think that there is going to be a quote unquote set lineup, but I do think that the lineup that Alex described is what we'll see most nights. Yeah, I think you're you're right that everything's hunky dory, so we're not, you know, laser focused on the front court. But even before the trade for True Holiday, I would have said they need to get another starter quality big man because you just don't know with health. And not only might they want double bigs, but like goodness forbid there's an actual injury. If they're not proactive about it, they're going to be signing like Boogie Cousins or or someone that they, they don't actually want to sign to just like slot in as a center because that's a person with experience and availability, right? So uh, I agree with you that it's not a today problem that they can like keep and Cornette and others see what they've got. And I, I suspect Missoula, if he could, would play super small. So Tatum and Brissett as like the actual power forwards. Might be something Tatum, like Tatum as a sidebar, Tatum as, as a four. I've loved what I've seen so far this season, but oh, yeah, no, he looks yet. really he, he looks a great deal bigger and stronger. And I think that I, I would not be surprised if Tatum is logging like a significant percentage of his minutes at the four, if not yep. like the majority of his minutes. Well, hold on, let's let's call an audible here. I thought I was the biggest proponent of Tatum at the four, so uh, the, the Tatum's at the four habit. Let's talk about this. So I'll play devil's advocate. I also think that uh, that platonic ideal for the Celtics is Tatum at the four. And that would be, you know, your starting lineup, Alex, you were talking about. But that's still, you know, like we assume Al Horford and Chris Porzingis are like the front court. Yeah. I actually don't know that I, 
I think there's a world where this Celtics offense is so nuclear that, hey, the Bucks want to play big. Who cares? The Celtics are faster or they can shoot better. They can pass better. That like the, the impetus to play big. I I'm struggling to think of a team that like actually will demand that of the Celtics because Sixers Nuggets. Um, but yeah. so I want to push back on that. First of all, Sixers no. I I think I disagree just because who pairs with Embiid that they need a second big. I actually also thought that you the need to small slow lineup, Embiid. I, I thought that the small lineup was. I mean, maybe. So Rob Williams shifted the Sixers series last year. Let's be clear. But the thing that won them that series was Tatum getting in isolation against Embiid and pulling him out to the perimeter. And yeah. I get the sense that with Chris Stapps Porzingis in play, as opposed to a true non-shooting big in Rob, that um, there's nowhere for Embiid to hide defensively against that that five-out lineup. But so then the counterfactual becomes, if the Celtics play small, you can do that to the Celtics. Because uh, Porzingis on an island is has not been the most sturdy defender this post or this preseason. Good thing you have two of the actual best point of attack defenders in the league and Drew Holiday and Derek White there. <laughs> That's very true. So I guess it's, it's kind of not a circular argument, but it becomes what do the Celtics give up if they play small versus what do they gain as an advantage? And the, big, the big thing for me, Cam, if I could just jump in, and I realize I've been jumping in a lot here, but... That's um, what we have you on for, man. That's why we don't have a guest. Alex, you're the guest today. <laughs> Great. The big thing that to me stands out as an obvious weakness for this team is rebounding. Um, they're, if yeah. they're not careful, they're going to get really punished on the boards. And I think that they, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect roster in the NBA. No team is going to enter this season without some way that you can exploit a weakness on their team. Even the reigning champion Denver Nuggets, I think, have some weaknesses. In the playoffs, it's about figuring out how to exploit those weaknesses most effectively and how to cover your weaknesses most effectively. And Missoula's bet, and I think Brad Stevens' bet, is that the rebounding on this squad is not going to come back. The, the rebounding deficit is not going to come back to bite them if they run an incredibly efficient offense. Now, we have seen this exact thing happen to teams in the playoffs where that rebounding deficit does come back to bite them. Um, it's happened really over and over again to the Celtics specifically in the matchup against a team that should not uh, necessarily have an obvious rebounding advantage, but the Miami Heat always outrebound the Celtics. Yep. Um, so to that end, I actually think that there's some logic in the idea that size doesn't necessarily matter against Miami specifically when it comes to that rebounding disadvantage. What matters is being able to box your man out consistently and gang rebound. That's what you have Derek White and Drew Holiday and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for. But there's definitely a world where if the Celtics are in the wrong matchup, they get crushed on the boards. And to me, that's more than anything why that third big spot is critical. Porzingis is a fine rebounder. He is not a particularly good rebounder. Al Horford has been a subpar rebounder for basically his whole career. It's the one thing as a big man that he doesn't really do well. And it makes sense because he's handling so much on the defensive end of that initial attack that he's rarely in position to get rebounds. Yeah. So the key to who that big man should be, that third big, should they go after it, that needs to be a guy who is there to clean up the boards. And this leads me, of course, to my biggest 
Celtics roster improvement take. I can't believe I'm saying it. Corey Waldron, if you're listening, I guess you get the win on this. The Celtics should go for Andre Drummond because Andre Drummond does one thing and it is rebound the ball over and over and over and over again. And if there's one weakness that this Celtics team has, it's rebounds. I can see it. Andre Drummond, their weakness will be free throws. (laughs) Well, yes, that's true. And again, there's no such thing as a perfect team. And I'm not saying that Andre Drummond is going to fix everything for the Celtics. But if you want a guy who's just there to get boards, Andre Drummond is a great guy to have. (laughs) I think I said it before and I'll say it again. Andre Drummond, I'm pretty sure has a game where he went 17 for 36 from the free throw line which is like up there with the Tony Snell stat line of just like unbelievable stat lines. Um, okay. So point taken, the Celtics might stink at rebounding anyways. So a Tatum at the four exposes vulnerability there. However, I do think, I do think it's important that the Giannis the Embiid's, the Jokic, uh, that they do have a scheme double big available to defend them. But I do think that the idea that they need to play double bigs to be successful this season is not at all true. And to that end, I, I don't think like the Celtics are an Andre Drummond away from like figuring out the Nuggets. Because I, I think, Dr. Quinn, you're probably right that you have to play that Nuggets team big. But uh, except for an injury situation, I don't know that the Celtics need that extra size. I mean, they have Luke Cornett and uh, Porzingis. They have the second and fourth tallest guys in the NBA. I mean, they're both string beans, but okay, this is interesting. Um, so on the spot, what percentage of games when everyone's available, so forget the back-to-backs, everyone is available, what percentage of the time does Jason Tatum close at the four, Alex? Close I think at the Jason four. Tatum closes at the four like 60 to 65% of the season. It's a little high for me, but I don't think you're too far. I think it's about 40%. I'll say 50 just to keep balance. How's that? <laughs> okay, great. Um, Justin, put this in the show title. This, this is clicky. I love this. Who who else has this but us? Okay, other things that no one else has. Um, Alex, we have Alex Boots on the ground at Madison Square Garden. So Alex moved to Brooklyn a few weeks ago. Alex is going as a fan. Um, I've never been to Madison Square Garden. It's on my bucket list as a fan or a member of the press. Have you ever been? I have not, and I'm very excited, and that's why I shelled out potentially too much money to go to Madison Square Garden because I want to see my C's and I'm really excited to see them grab that dub against the New York Knicks. I mean, I just, I I don't want to like make a thing out of it and not that this is that big of a bully pulpit, but Knicks fans after games just seem like you should, you should just interview people. Well, I'm I'm actually, I'm going with a like veteran OG, like long time Knicks fan. So I'm excited to hear his take on everything because he's been through the trenches with the Knicks. That's that's making life trenches, I think. It's like the wilderness (laughs) era of the Celtics. Yeah. Dr. Quinn, have you been to Madison Square Garden? I have not. I've heard it's an awful place to cover a basketball game, which is disillusioning, but someday hopefully I'll find out for myself. But I have mentioned that this is on my bucket list and anyone I've talked to has been like, eh, it's not that great. But Mm. I don't know. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., this is also off script, said something to the effect of the Celtics are America's basketball team. I think he said it's got to be the Celtics or the Lakers. And I'm sorry, it's the Knicks. No, 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 it's not. No, no, not as long as Dolan owns the team. Lakers, unfortunately. Dolan has nothing to do with it. It's just, uh, uh, I just think that the Knicks have the most cachet. 
I feel like the 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 team that the claims America's team kind of weirdly yeah. is the team that is most internationally known, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> I agree. Don't don't kill me, guys. I mean, I would probably go Knicks Lakers one too. So I'm I'm amenable to that. Mm. I bet. I mean, I bet you're right for much of the world. In two uh, years, it'll be the, the Dallas Spurs. Cowboys are. The Dallas Cowboys are America's team in American football, and they haven't been relevant in, you know, multiple decades. Well, that's what I'm it's saying. True. That's why I think the Knicks have, the, the 90s Knicks, like, captured a generation. Yeah, maybe so. Either way, it's, it's nice to say it's the Boston Celtics. They're in the conversation, uh, definitely more than the, the Warriors. I mean, the setup to the conversation was, I don't think the Warriors are America's team. And no one thought that. So, <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., thank you. But, okay. So, Alex is going to be at the game and he's looking to see rowdy Knicks fans get rowdy dr quinn what are you looking for out of this first game for nobody to get hurt uh i think that would be the best thing to come away with a win would be the next best thing uh and i expect one based on what i've seen i think the knicks are going to be a better team than people realize but i don't think they're as big of a risk to beat boston as their home opener which would be a real bummer that being the miami heat but the Miami Heat are very motivated. Uh, the Boston Celtics are still kind of finding their way as a team. Uh, or maybe they're not, but you, you would assume so, considering all the, the lack of continuity and turnover over the summer. And I would not be at all surprised if the uh, home opener was a rude awakening, that there is going to be a little bit more work to do, even if I am very confident that the Celtics will beat the snot out of the Heat in a seven-game series this time. I don't know. I think they're yeah, pretty I've... motivated to stomp Miami in basically every situation that they encounter them home on the road. I I get the sense that a lot of what is going on with this team in terms of the vibes, they keep on, you know, Jalen Brown was, you know, interviewed today talking about how prepared they feel, how much they feel like they have, you know, like a real sense of like, what are we doing at the end of games? Where is everyone supposed to be? I think a few other players have attested to a similar kind of really professional prepared vibe around practice this year, which makes sense given the context of, well, last year's training camp. Um, oh, yes. I, I interpreted and read that as we are going to come out here and try and kick everybody's asses as much as possible. We'll see. Uh, I agree with that take. I mean, Tatum said that the other day that he literally said practice has been kicking our ass a little bit. We've been doing two yeah. days. Um, Mike Tyson said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So I well, hope. <laughs> well, that's actually that that's what I was going to say is I hope that the, you know, the Rondos and the Paul Pierces are saying, look, the season's really long. Don't mm-hmm. get too excited. Don't oversell it. Yeah. Because if they're too amped getting into this and, you know, they start the season two and five, which is on the table, they're still the betting favorites, I think, to, Get out the, I guess I don't know, but they're probably among the betting favorites at this point. I mean, Vegas literally has them as the betting favorite to win the title. Great, even better. Um, I do hope that if you know they drop these first two games, it doesn't mean anything, but I hope they know that. And we'll have to pretend like it means something on the next episode of the Celtics Sad Podcast, just that's how because it's our regular season two. But I hope that they uh, keep the long game firmly uh in perspective, yeah. even if I do hope that they bring it against the Knicks and bring it against the Heat. Let's be fair. This team, uh, like I said, it had a lot of turnover. It might, like, 
everything's great in practice, but once you are in real games with teams that really want to beat you because you have the biggest target on your back, uh, particularly if they have particular motivations, as in the case of the Heat, they've been sitting here, you know, not getting Drew Holiday or anyone else they want on their team. So they, they are pretty motivated. They don't need any extra motivation based on our, our history with that team. So there is, like, I don't doubt that, that, that this team feels very organized, feels very ready, feels very prepared, but it's hard to introduce high level players onto your team and perform at the highest levels, uh, particularly at the levels like we saw the season before last, I think it was, uh, when we had that double overtime uh, season opener against the Knicks. I mean, like who saw that yeah. coming, you know? That's where, that's where the bing bong video comes from. The very Fair. great and important bing bong video. Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker deeply motivated to stick it to the Celtics in that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, how about this? You can tell me no, and we'll just wrap here. I thought about floating. What if we we did like a pessimist's read on this Boston Celtics team just to like get? I them. just did. <laughs> oh, I, I have more neg. I have even more negative. Uh, okay, so what if we? Oh, close I'm good. This? I'm out. Nope, nope. We're not talking about injuries. Nope, nope. Okay, but I, you know which one I'm thinking about. I do know that even that one is not, yeah. <laughs> okay, well then let's end on a, an optimistic hot take. So we're gonna we're gonna say negative energy. We see you, but we're not gonna give you the extra light. So we're just gonna we're not gonna say what if Jason Tatum's wrist is no good. We're not gonna say that. Instead, we're gonna say something positive to wrap. So oh, I got something. Okay, so we'll sure. we'll go around and share our positive hot takes for the twenty three twenty four season to close. Here's Cameron's. Three members of the Boston Celtics are named to an all-defensive team. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Quinn, you said you had one. You go. Oh, yeah, I've got one. Uh, life imitates art. Art sometimes imitates life. I think uh, Ronnie 2K is going to have a message for what's going to happen to the Celtics in the very near future if it's not already out. Oh, you have to really be playing the home game to understand what Justin's talking about, but I got you. Hmm. Uh, just spoiler alert. And Alex, your hot, your po- your positive hot take for the Celtics. My positive hot take for the Celtics is that Al Horford is going back in the time machine yet again with a contending shot at six man of the year and a serious impact in a deep playoff run. Cool. Love it. All right. You heard it here first. But nothing negative to worry about for this Celtics team. This episode of the Celtics Hub Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We have several things planned for you this week, but as is the case in podcasting, we're not going to make any promises because you never know what's going to happen. Instead, make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast and our feed so you never miss an episode. And that means if we have three episodes this week, you catch them all. And if things go wrong and we don't have an episode until next week, you're ready for that too. Until then, Dr. Quinn, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Alex, are you back? You're back in Brooklyn, it looks like. I'm back in Brooklyn, and I will be back here for uh, a couple of weeks before we hit the road yet again. Nice. Cool. Uh, be, be well. And um, Cameron, keep doing your thing. You're doing great. Good job. All right. Oh, yes, everyone. Thanks for listening. I look like a carrot with this backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.